0: The meaning of life is that it stops. This is a quote by Kafka. In our last episode on Let's Get Psyched, we discussed how the concept of our own mortality can cause anxiety. In this episode, we're going to talk about happiness as an outcome to therapy, but I just wanted to mention how death and happiness can be related. Uh, there is a Something called existential psychotherapy, which is based on existential concepts from the philosophy of Kierkegaard, Nietzsche, and others, um, and has been modernized and popularized by the living psychiatrist Dr. Yalom. One of the uh, techniques that Dr. Yalom practices is asking his patients to draw a line, where the origin of the line is birth and the end of the line is death, and then he asks his patients to draw on the line where they see themselves in the current moment. The idea of this is to have the patient relate to death, accept death, and uh, not be so distanced from it. So the idea is to balance being aware of death and not being overwhelmed by it. Another thing I wanted to point out is the we Croak app, which reminds you five times a day about death by literally stating, Don't forget, you're going to die randomly throughout the day. And this is inspired by a Bhutanese saying, To become a happy person, one must contemplate death five times daily.
1: Hello, and welcome to Let's Get Psyched. This is a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks of the University of California, Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, and I'm joined by my co-host, second-year child adolescent psychiatry fellow Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi. Hi, Toshi.
0: Hi, Aaron.
1: Thanks for that intro, by the way. Yeah.
0: Second next year,
1: second second year psychiatry resident Dr. Alan Atkins. Hi, Alan. Hey, Dr. Parks. The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They do not represent the University of California, UC Riversides Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR School of Medicine. Well, on today's show, like you heard, we're going to talk about happiness, the concept of happiness, what brings people there. Is it important for clients and clinicians, for people that we see in treatment to have an understanding, a full, thought-out, fleshed-out understanding of happiness? Or is it all just about reducing symptoms? Is that sometimes it get that feels too clinical to me. But uh, you know, I, 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 just, I feel like that. Some, this comes up, I'm going to say, and I've had people, I've had colleagues say, look, your idea, your philosophy of happiness doesn't matter. What you do is reduce symptoms. What you believe about happiness, your philosophy of life should not enter into the therapy room. But I don't believe that. But I'd like to hear what you all think what do you believe is happiness a concept that you have in your own mind and that you actually that enters the room in therapy or do you help clients know what it is or understand or work through what it means to live a happy life or be a happy individual or what the concept of happiness is
2: i pretty much try to make my patients as unhappy as possible at all
1: times, (laughs) just by just by showing up that's my
2: unique niche in in Uh, the in the market uh
0: i I think you know in reading about this topic preparing for this topic i i did see things uh out in the internet about how mental health is among lay people seen as being related to how happy one is so let's say there's someone who seems outwardly very happy and you tell they tell someone there in therapy and that person's a surprise they're like oh but you seem so happy um, that's a
1: good point yeah that's a good point so you yeah, must not be a happy person
0: yes there's a judgment to that um and i i thought it was really interesting because actually just today i watched this documentary about this woman who pretended to be in the twin towers on 9-11 and she became a huge uh, a spokesperson for survivors and it turned out she'd been lying the whole time but she looked so happy i mean everyone talked about how vibrant she was and how that helped them heal uh seeing how how strong she was in surviving the you know crisis um but That's was such her an mental awful health
2: story <laughs>
0: i'm sorry about that but was her mental health all there i mean she was lying the entire time
2: yeah that's oh man what a what a fascinating case that sounds
0: like and it made her happy
1: there's different things that make people happy there that is absolutely true do you feel like there's different paths to genuine happiness or do you feel like there's some universal things that can be said about what how to live a happy life in this world I think of our
2: some <laughs> universal things uh and then like there's what? some that are individually variable i actually have right in front of me um uh, I I found this book in one of those f- little free libraries that a, a lot of uh, nice neighborhoods have. Um, and it was it's a book that's pretty old. It's called 100 Simple Secrets of Happy People. And it, it talks about a lot of things that can be done to be happy that, so, and, and the evidence behind each of them. And then there's also the scribblings of what appears to be um, the notes from the previous owner of this, who I think was like a woman who had just gone through divorce and was an empty nester. And so I kind of learn about her as I read this book as well. But some of the things it says are uh, like, I just opened to a random page. Just go visit your neighbor.
1: Um, Now, did you read this book because you wanted to edify uh, yourself with this knowledge? Or did you read this because you wanted to pass this on to clients and be a better clinician or both? Both. I mean, okay.
2: I, I think for me, a big part of going into this field was that it felt like the this is all how to live in the, the sort of best way possible is information that I've been greedily hoarding and trying to collect for my whole life. And this the, the introspective sort of life optimization is something that's always fascinated me. And it's cool to be able to to be a subject matter expert in that.
1: Nice. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Go ahead. Like, What other tidbits of happiness are there? Okay,
2: let's see if there's any other good ones. All right, okay, so page 21 says friendship beats money. Um,
0: a lot of it has one to do of with the... relationships. What's up? A lot of it seems to be related to relationships.
2: Which I think a lot of happiness seems to be related to relationships. So I, we may have talked, I think we did an episode, or, or we were thinking of doing an episode on wisdom where they, someone's actually studying like what goes into wisdom and one of the things about wisdom was holding relationships uh, a few close relationships tight um, but, but I, I think it's interesting uh, that, that a book like this is you know not <laughs> like a bestseller that has all these sort of evidence based ways to get to happiness it makes you wonder if is happiness truly what we want or is it the next
1: iPhone 15 C <laughs> yeah materialism yeah and also I, I wonder like how much of those things are it's kind of like a bucket of things that can make you happy uh, you know here and there and maybe kind of get at it. but like what what are the necessary conditions for living a happy life
2: and it, it turns out actually that at, um buying two having two of the newest iPhone does not make people happy but buying three <laughs> actually has been shown to lead to eternal happiness.
1: They have actually studied this about how much money one needs to have a peak optimal level of happiness. I yeah. think it's like over $80,000 or something like that.
2: For a male. Yeah, and they found that the happiest they found this guy, Time Magazine found this guy who met all the descriptors for the happiest person in the US and it was like it's a it was a, an Asian male in Hawaii who makes I think between 90 and 110 a year. And has a family, and they interview. They found a guy who met this description, him, and indeed
1: he <laughs> seemed seemed pretty happy. damn happy. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's a very interesting. That's a kind of a cool study. I'd like to read that study actually. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, and do you feel like you're under? Do you feel like first of all, do you feel like you all have fleshed out and have a good understanding of what a happy life is for oneself? And do you feel that that informs your practice? And if so, how? Hope that's not too broad of a question yes okay what is your work through fleshed out concept of happiness and how is it affecting or impacting or influencing your practice
2: i had a conversation with a friend recently from med school we're checking in on life and he said and he's a friend who's one of the more selfless people i know and he donates a large portion of even his residency salary to people he's working with and he does a lot of um, homeless outreach care with his medicine and he said, comparing him his current self to his self in med school, he said, I don't hate myself anymore. And I thought about that. And I thought I kind of smiled upon the fact that I feel like that applies to me as well. And and part of that is about doing work that actually makes me f- feel fulfilled and that's meaningful. And it, it sort of made me realize it is going to be quite necessary to make life decisions in terms of work that prioritize real meaning over money, potentially, in, in really lopsided arrangements, because like he said really well, I don't want to hate myself. I think it's really much easier to be happy when you love yourself and you have to do lovable things.
1: Wow, that is really good, I feel. I feel like I definitely have had these kinds of thoughts, too, that, you know, what what leads you to like yourself and like admire yourself like i actually say that to clients sometimes like what what would you find admirable about another person or yourself if you saw yourself do it that i definitely think that's important i agree with you so that selfless acts account your friend selfless acts to the the people that are at the bottom of society totem pole like almost folks that's that's pretty darn selfless and pretty well
2: and he's doing what he he's doing what he set out to do he's do, he's doing the medicine that he got into this whole game to do in the first place and i think finding that using the privilege of being in a career you know the with everyone who's in these graduate degree careers where they have some, some amount of um, election over what specifically they're going to be doing doing what the child actually wanted or what the idealistic person that went into the field actually wanted, I think, may, I have no data to back this up, but I, I think that may produce some happiness.
1: Oh, wait, wait, wait. So you're saying that if you're, the thoughts that you had as a child, these idealistic dreams as a child, if you actualize them, that will lead to happiness.
2: Hoo, hoo, I'm, I'm digging myself a hole here. I wanted to be a, <laughs> I wanted to be a firefighter and then I wanted to be a car designer. You uh, failed. I think I you must be, be a really trash sad. Artist. You
1: um, must be really sad right now, living a unhappy life. <laughs> <laughs> but that. But that. But okay. But did I get that right? That if you have these kind of, if you realize your childhood dreams, you're going to be a happy person. I'll that might, be ra- you might be speculate right.
2: that that may be the case. Yeah, yeah, you
1: might be right. I I feel like I have not realized my childhood dreams either, of being an NBA scout or a professional baseball player. <laughs> Never too late. <laughs>
2: Never too late. You can be scouting sh- from the therapy. You know, while you're doing therapy, you're kind of in the back of your mind checking off. Okay, they seem like they might have good ball management. They seem <laughs> like they would share the
1: ball. I feel like that should be said, but I do agree with you though that there's something about uh, making a difference. I do like if you leave, if you when you leave this world, if you've impacted the lives of a lot of people positively. I definitely feel that that comes back to you in good, uh, in terms. I do feel that that gives you this feeling of happiness for sure you've, that you've added. I agree.
0: Um, some of the stuff that I was reading was talking about how, you know, how people believe happiness will be achieved through different things. Like, um, certain milestones, like, yes, I found the perfect husband or something like that. Or I got that job promotion and, um, In reality, people just kind of habituate to that new circumstance and um, return to the level of happiness that they're normally at. Yeah, Um, that
1: makes me depressed by the way, because I have seen that research that people have the same level of happiness throughout their whole lives and they're just kind of born that way. That makes me very depressed.
0: I also saw a study by Iris Mouse et et al. at UC Berkeley in 2011, that team found that people who identified as valuing happiness uh, felt actually less happy when compared uh, to their controls in certain situations. And these situations were both a slightly stressful situation and a happy situation they actually felt less happy than those people who identified as valuing happiness less so then dr mouse posits that valuing happiness could be self-defeating because the more people value happiness the more likely they will feel disappointed okay um, another study actually recently that came out in 2020 was looking at people who value happiness also so this might be mean people who seek out happiness right um, those people were associated with a lower ability to control one's attention in emotional situations and lower ability to savor those positive experiences.
1: Okay. So what is your speculation about what's going I, on there? I've, I've read that first study, not the 2020 study, but I've read that first study, and I, I have my own theory about why that is. The people that value happiness, focus on happiness, try to get happiness actually are less happy. So what do you think is going on?
0: I think there's a lot of externalization of happy expect, happiness expectations, what's gonna give them happiness. Um, when you ask me about what do I think gives people happiness, I think it's a lot of internal feelings like um, what we were talking about, uh, satisfaction in relationships in various types, whether we're the daughter, wife, um, parent, friend, Um, a feeling of competency at work, a feeling of reward from work, which is what you mentioned, Aaron. Also a general feeling of being respected, valued. Um, Yeah. I think all those things are much more nebulous and also internal experiences.
1: I'm going to agree with you, but that wasn't the thing I was thinking of. But I am going to agree with you that um, that is a big part of happiness. But I was going to focus more on uh, when you... Uh, have happiness as the goal, that indicates to me that you're looking for this payoff, basically, at every moment of the day. And it, it, happiness is a outcome of a process, a process of pursuing things that are important. Like when you're pursuing like uh, feeding, uh, like um, treatment of homeless folks. There's going to be a lot of hurdles that are not going to be. You're not going to be super ecstatic about studying all night for things, <laughs> for for tests and things like that. That though, but if that's what your always your goal is, at every moment of the day, then yeah, it, that you, you might not get it. You're, you you want to trust the process of getting there. That I think
2: we are getting at this difference between. I love this. There's this. I recommend it to all of our listeners. Uh, there's this excerpt by Zadie Smith on joy versus happiness and it's only a few pages and she talks about happiness or she actually she worded it as pleasure versus joy and she talked about pleasure being this shallow experience she had maybe in her 20s where she did drugs and then hooked up with someone she met at some rave or something and that was pleasure and then she talked about joy being this combination of The incredible pain and suffering and struggle and tired nights. It went into raising children and then and making the relationship with her partner work, and then the joy being that all of that meaningful struggle leads to these moments of ecstasy in sort of that that the pleasure that then comes is backed by this meaning and this real wholesome scaffolding that pleasure without meaningful context
1: doesn't lack or sorry doesn't have if you're just listening to us uh, and just joining us you're listening to let's get psyched on KUCR and we're talking about happiness the concept of happiness is important that clinicians have a work through concept is important that when you work with clients that they know what it means to live a happy life and they have a concept of what that is. Does that lead to better mental health? Does that lead to happier clients when you help them? What do you do when you, they ask like, oh, I, I, how, what, is, what does life mean? How do I be happy? What, what does it mean to live a happy life? How how direct and how clear do you want to talk about that and engage them on that?
0: I think in, in what you're specifically talking about right now, Aaron, I, I would want to say what gives people meaning and satisfaction can change through life. So that might be just like an open discussion throughout therapy at the different life stages. Like going back to Erickson, like, you know, when you're um in your twenties and thirties, maybe uh career satisfaction might be more prevalent than when you're a senior and you're looking back and wondering, did you did you add anything to the world or what sort of relationships did you did you have and those sort of, you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, I. But um, now, but do you think that it changes fundamentally over time, or do you feel like there are universal things? I'm gonna just go back to this. I'm sorry, I'm being annoying, but it's, uh, do you think there's universal concepts of happiness, fundamental concepts of happiness that are that span the life span, the, the span the lifespan <laughs> that are are <laughs> consistent and, and the same? Basically, I, I mean, this is what I I I feel like as I've gotten older. I've underestimated how important relationships are. I'm just, I'm just sharing something personal right now, but I feel like uh, the importance of acceptance and love from people, I've felt like that was, sometimes I felt like when I was younger, I felt that it was more of a hindrance or a thing that I had to almost conquer. Like I had to be independent, I had to have my independent thinking and that kind of thing. And now I feel that's more of a crucial thing and it's not something I want to be ashamed of. It's not something anyone should be ashamed of, of of the importance of that we're social beings and we depend on that. And so uh, I feel like, you know, even even like when you're talking about um, Alan about your friend that that um, treats homeless folks, it, they, they he he I'm just gonna guess he probably gets a little bit more satisfaction, fulfillment, enjoyment, and happiness when it's recognized by the client and his colleagues, than if no one in the entire universe ever recognized it. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I I don't know if that's the case for this particular guy.
2: But uh, what a great, really meaningful reflection that you had there. I I want to kind of focus on that, that about having friends and, and sort of realizing you undervalued that for maybe some significant portion of your life. I think you are so incredibly not alone on that. I think, you know, when you, it's fascinating and kind of amazing how adults don't have friends particularly adults with children, but all types of adults, it's, it's considered sort of
1: normal um to my dad my dad never had friends my dad i'm (laughs) trashing my dad on on the air but i I feel like my dad didn't have a lot of friends he had his family and you know we all had fun and stuff and he had my uh, my mom but i don't. i never felt he had like really friend friends you know and i felt like probably that i mean he had a great life and everything but i feel like yeah that 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 is important i agree with you alan that's an important part of life
0: and I do think that that's a constancy. I mean, even for infants, right? I mean, once your basic needs are covered, security, uh, shelter, um, you know, cleanliness, food, the primary thing is relationships.
1: I, th- I, yeah, I think, and it, and I, this is what I think. I think that it, it how the type of relationships, cause it's, um, I feel like uh, a lot of uh, mental health conditions, the things that I talk about is the relationships are not satisfying enough because they feel that they depend on the approval of others too much. That comes up a lot, I have to say, in therapy. Mm-hmm. And like how do you how do you have satisfying relationships? And then also at the same time, the client is saying, but I value them too much. I value what people think of me too much. So how do you do that? Well, you know, that's, because that's part of the trick of happiness. That's part of the, the, the kind of elusiveness of happiness is that you know, how can you balance your own strivings, your own goals, your own value of yourself, and then also care about what other people think of you, but not too much. Because when you think about people's opinions of you too much, you get all nervous, and you get you, it interferes with your life, and uh, you feel like you're on a roller coaster. Does that make sense? I
0: think you have to pay into the self respect bank. How,
1: how do you do that? Ooh, Nice. Give me, give me, give me some you of that like knowledge that and wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Give it, Give us some of that knowledge. Lay, lay that on us, Tosha. How do you do that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that if you feed your own self respect, then that can help in that regard.
1: How okay? Give me something I can do. Oh, how was, to do yeah. that? Yeah, give us more.
2: That was that I was... want to do that tonight. Actually, <laughs> let's let's all go to the self respect <laughs> bank together.
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny. I mean, I mean, maybe it's like in our last episode talking about that dignity therapy.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, like how, how what your impact is and what what kind of meaning. Uh, there was you, a, a study in had...
2: ninety seven by Panos that showed that people who thought of themselves as the cause of negative events are 43% less likely to be satisfied with their lives. I think there's a lot of that kind of rumination stuff that maybe is, is drawing heavily from the checking accounts of the self-respect bank.
0: I think that there's a lot to be said about knowing oneself in terms of fostering a sense of self-respect. So what your values are, how do you identify? I think that's that forms a, a, a basis for self-respect.
1: Wow, yeah. I, that's yeah, part of I've, deep,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. I feel like I came to I, I, a stark conclusion that I absolutely have to have insight into myself to be a happy person. So, I, but I don't say, that's not one of the things I say to people <laughs> or, or clients. I'll go with the, uh, this is what I'll go with when people ask that question, that for, first of all, uh i I, this is what i say when i want to work i said let's let's this is a good thing to talk about let's work that through both of us when because it sounds like you're you want to be sure about what it means to be happy or live a happy life or what it takes to live a happy life let's throw out let's let's kind of talk about that a bit now in that conversation i'm going to be honest about what my perspective is and i'll announce that i'll say my personal opinion is because this is what I think. I think that if you wanna humor yourself by saying that, oh, that never goes into therapy, I think that's ridiculous. Obviously, it's gonna seep into therapy. You're gonna have biases about these kind of things. It's better to be open and upfront about them rather than to hide them and think that, oh, I'm all about reducing your symptoms. Well, what do you think about happiness? What do you think is happiness? Look. When people come through the door, a lot of folks don't understand what happiness is. They don't understand yeah. how to be happy. So you you want to have a conversation, but not with just any Joe on the street. You want to have a conversation with someone that has worked it through in their own minds. That's my opinion. That reminds
2: roadblock. me so much of DBT, where it's oh, about, thinking, hey, look at look at this huge number of our patients living this life which is kind of flailing from one thing to another that's going to be imagined To bring immediate happiness in that moment, whether that be um, returning to an ex's house to hook up or whether that be alcohol or whether that be uh, cutting to provide some temporary pain relief. And in this sort of zigzag, bouncing, unstable trajectory from chasing one perceived source of happiness to another, the stable bricks that need to be laid to really create happiness are... Missed opportunities. What? You need the therapist to, to kind of tell you, hey, here's a path to get to something that, that may actually make you happy.
0: Wait, sorry. I, I don't know if I missed what you were saying. You are saying what's necessary, what's fundamental is missed opportunities?
2: No, no. I'm saying in chasing that that I think part of the suffering of patients with borderline personality disorder and, mm-hmm. and also just a lot of us in our lives... Is that in in chasing instant gratification due to our sort of reduced willpower and moments of weakness, in chasing coping mechanisms that might yield a lot of instant gratification but not be best for us in in even the short, in the mid range, um, we lose out on a lot of opportunities to build a more lasting happiness.
0: Mhm and DBT for the listeners is dialectical behavioral therapy we Thank mentioned you. a few times yeah.
1: Yeah this reflects uh, with, with just kind of harkens back to some uh, Greek philosophers where you, know, you have this kind of momentary you know instant gratification or you have, they have these kind of longer term kinds of ideas of pursuing these higher values. So that's what that is my opinion of what happiness leads to is that you know what are the values that you respect or admire or you believe in? And I have to say that when I ask this question about what are things that are important in life and what are things you value, what are things that are really meaningful in life, about 50% of the time people say, I don't know. Uh, more than that. I'd say about 75% of the time. They say, I have no idea. So now that, and sometimes they feel like they don't have that. Now, this is my assumption. I wanna hear what your assumption is. My assumption is that they have gone through life and they just re- have, have more on the reaction side the situation side. So there are different situations. People tell them this. People tell them that. They feel this, or they feel that, and they react or they respond. But there's not, there's no, there's never been a time when they've they've sat down and said, "This is what I believe." Blah 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 blah. This is what I'm going to pursue now. Now now I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. There's never there's goals like I want to get a degree and stuff like that. But there's nothing. They they're not thinking in terms of what are specific like at the end of the day, at the end of my life, really. How do I, what if, what did I stand for what did I what did I what did I think was important in life and did I honor that and I feel like that is important in life that that will lead you to be happy at the end of the day Za do you, I want to see what you hear what, what you all think of that do you feel like that is close to what happiness is?
0: I mean when I thought about this, I was thinking of learning the criteria for ending therapy and symptom resolution is different from attainment of goals is different from achievement of happiness so I I think yeah, I think there's a lot of different pieces to what we consider as being better mental health. And maybe happiness isn't necessarily the primary goal. It doesn't have to be always.
1: And that will do it for us here. On Let's get psyched. We talked about happiness. Oh, I'm about- sorry.
0: Maybe that's not helpful to make it the primary goal. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, thank you for adding that, Tosha. Yeah, no, I think that probably is true, actually. Uh, If you have comments, questions, suggestions for the show, you can write to us at getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. That's getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. And you can listen to past episodes of Let's Get Psyched on your favorite streaming platform. Thank you to our co hosts Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi and Dr. Alan Atkins. Thank you also to our producer, Elliot Fong. Uh, We recorded this in our respective homes and he mixed it. So thank you for that. I've been your host, psychologist, Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched.